0: Good morning, I am Robin Stedjink-Williams, and it is a joy to read scripture with you this morning. We do have a hiccup. Our bulletin has the incorrect passages, but it does look like the screen is correct. So instead of Isaiah 2, we're flipping over to Isaiah 11 for our Old Testament reading, found on page 690. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears. But righteousness he will judge, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness a sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion in the will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. In the day of the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord.
1: (laughs) The New Testament reading is Matthew 3. Verses 1 through 12 on page 967. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judah and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and Judea and the whole region of, of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry he will baptize with you with holy spirit and fire his winnowing fork in his hand and and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire this is the word of the lord Amen.
2: That's quite a note to end on. (laughs) I'm not talking about that passage. Uh, I'm talking about Isaiah um, this morning. Um, Yeah, Maybe we should reverse the, I feel like it's hard to pick up from unquenchable fire. Um, (laughs) On the other hand, the passage from Isaiah is incredibly hopeful, right? Um, Such compelling imagery, that shoot from the stump of Jesse. It's like a little bit of life from what we thought was dead. The wolf and the lamb lying down together. And anyone who has kids or loves kids know how we fear for their lives and the relief that would come to know that they were safe. I love this passage. Um, Isaiah really knows how to preach hope. Um, He also, like our passage in Matthew, he also knows how to preach judgment. Um, All through the book, he's kind of back and forth between terrible judgment against Israel and Assyria and Babylon uh, because they have turned to idols, because they have neglected those in need, exploited the poor and the weak. Um, Walter Brueggemann points out that one thing that you see in the passage that we read this morning, uh, which is echoed throughout the prophets, throughout, I think really throughout the whole of scripture, but um, is a biblical vision of what political power was for. Like what israel thought a king was supposed to do our text says with righteousness he will judge the needy with justice he will give decisions for the poor brugeman says a good king in israel was supposed to be the equalizer with an eye out especially for protecting those who are powerless which is exactly what isaiah says did not happen in all those nations he preaches judgment against and so there's judgment Corrupt things being torn down to make room for something new. So that something good can come up in its place. But in the midst of the judgment, Isaiah always returns to hope. And the hope is never just like, oh, but it'll get better. It'll be okay. His hope is always, it will get beautiful. It will get whole and holy. You see the judgment right at the beginning of our passage, right? A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is David's dad, and David was a great king of Israel, but his legacy, if it were a tree, it's been chopped down. Nothing but a stump now. But Isaiah says, all is not lost. A shoot will come up from that stump. Just a wisp of green. It's such a faint sign of hope but it is hope nonetheless. And what comes from that tender shoot is nothing short of miraculous. You know, at first it just sounds like any good king who fears the Lord, who's wise and understanding. And people have recognized kings of the past in Isaiah's words, like King Hezekiah, for example. He was a great king. He made good changes for Israel. And people thought, maybe he's the one who Isaiah was talking about. And maybe he was on one level. But as Isaiah speaks, his vision seems to get less and less like anything that any human king could achieve. The king's decision, decisions seem to come from beyond his senses, beyond what he sees and hears, as if they spring from righteousness and justice themselves. By the time you get to verse 6, all of creation is being renewed because of the rule of this king. Every relationship of hostility and violence, even among the animals, has been pacified. There is peace everywhere. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. I wonder if you can believe in a future like that. Like, do you have it in you to hold out that kind of vision, as if it were actually gonna happen. I once heard this uh, story. <laughs> I actually watched a video. I watched it again today because I'm a sucker. about It's about a tiger and a goat uh, who are at peace. Um, just like Isaiah's vision. Uh, it's in a zoo, and you know how like some zoos do live feedings? Uh, they put the goat in with the tiger so that the tiger could chase it down and eat it. and <laughs> And the goat was like, particularly brave or something, it just walked right up to the tiger and the tiger didn't eat it. Like It was so startled by its behavior that they became friends and they hang out together. So I like videos like that. Um, (laughs) um, Unlike Isaiah, that tiger still eats the other animals that they put in the cage with it. Um, But that goat and that tiger are friends. They have walks every day. The goat sleeps in the tiger's bed. It's very sweet. Um, I really could watch videos like that all day. Uh, like a puppy and a duck playing together, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> I once, uh, <laughs> once Tony and I hit actually, once Tony and I hit a raccoon with our car uh, and were devastated and tried to like save it kind of by like shuffling it off the road with a box. At one point, I like reached out my hand to like lay hands on it. Tony was like, no. <laughs> it, was very, it was hissing and like... Uh, anyway, so I didn't get rabies, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this vision, Isaiah's vision, is like what I dream about. Uh, I really hope that this passage is not just like poetic license. This vision of such incredible, pervasive peace. So, like, such peace that it impacts the animals. It's not like we're like, oh, tiger and goat, you guys should have a better way of communicating, and then you could have peace. Like, this is peace beyond that, right? It's made possible because Isaiah says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. The whole earth. And by verse 10, there's not just peace with the animals, but between the nations, too. All the nations rally to a good king. I wondered if Isaiah, as he was writing this, thought, like, which one should I put as, like, the pinnacle? Like, should it be the animals have peace or the people? Which one is harder? Uh, And I think he chose right, putting the people last. Um, Like, oh, the animals will be at peace, of course. But even the people will get along. (laughs) We can all be really tough to get along with Um, and so scared, you know, and we look at rulers who do horrible things, but when we take power from the people in our families, like, doesn't that show us what we would do if we had more power? And yet, Isaiah says, one day we will come together. No more fear, no more discord. You know, there have been good kings. Hezekiah did some good stuff, but he didn't and couldn't bring about the renewing of all of creation. And all of it begins with a shoot, a faint sign of hope. It's like a strange beginning for, for such an overhaul, Right? Um, Not nearly the only strange image in the Bible. Uh, A couple of weeks ago on Christ the King Sunday, I invited you all to contemplate the king who will bring all of this peace in the unlikely place of the cross. That week and this week, I kept thinking of this image of him that we're given in Revelation 5. John is told in his vision, John is told to look for the lion of Judah, but when he turns to the throne to see the lion there, Instead, he sees a lamb who looks like it has been slain. A slain lamb on the throne. The Bible is full of unexpected images for the one through whom all things were created. For the one who holds all things together and for the one who is reconciling all things to himself. A slain lamb, a king on a cross, a tender shoot coming up from a stump. And of course, it being Advent, we can add one more to the list a baby born in a manger. Our promise of all things made new comes to us in these surprisingly small ways. And Jesus gave us more images like that in his teachings. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, he said. It's like a treasure buried in a field, it's hidden, it's small you could easily overlook it. And each of those images, you could just so easily miss the promise that they hold. Like, what is a shoot coming up from a stump? Honestly, I'm kind of grateful for how small those images are, because if the Bible promised us that the kingdom had come with a bang, I don't think I could believe it. Because it hasn't changed yet all the way, has it? We are still waiting for more. Isaiah's original listeners had only his words to go on. Just a metaphor of a stump and a shoot. Which is compelling and hopeful, you know, but just words. We have seen those words put on flesh. We have seen Jesse's branch bearing its first fruits of healing and reconciliation and resurrection. We have seen this king who wears righteousness as his belt and faithfulness as the sash around his waist. We have seen Jesus, the image of the invisible God, and we have been drawn to him. Like if you're here in this room this morning or joining us on Zoom, It's probably because at some moment you caught a glimpse of the reality of our hope. And maybe that feels real to you right now, or maybe it doesn't. But at some point, in some way, you have seen this king. You have seen that this king is something different, something new. How a king on a cross might actually be the king that we need to turn this whole place on its head. Israel had the promise. We have seen the shoot come up. We have been moved by the hope that it brings, but we're also still waiting for it to become a tree. And that apparently takes time. The hope of Isaiah's promise has already been accomplished in Jesus, and also it hasn't yet. We're both living in the reality of the fulfillment of Isaiah's promise and waiting for it to be fully realized. You know, even as we gather here to worship Jesus, to proclaim that Jesus is King, we are still, like Israel, putting our hope in the promise that it will come in full. But promises have a way of um, drawing us forward into them. Like if we depend on a promise, it changes the way that we behave. Now, uh, this writer that I like, his name is David Loes. He pointed that out. Um, he said, like if I promise later that I'm going to play a board game with my kids, they will pull out the box and lay out the pieces. It made me think about my garden, um, how much I prepare for the promise that is in a seed, right? I plant tomatoes and I put tall stakes next to them, anticipating when the plants will be eight feet tall. I water and I weed and I wait, dreaming of tomato pesto sandwiches. I behave as if the fruit is coming and I prepare for it. And so too with the promise of the kingdom. We dream of a peace between all people And so we do the hard work of reconciliation now. Pressing into the tough spots, the tough conversations, learning to speak gently and to listen deeply and to love across disagreement. Like that's one of the most, I'm learning, (laughs) that that's one of the most terrifying things we can do to enter into conflict on purpose. But we do it because we have been promised that peace is coming. So we lay out our pieces. We've been promised that the peace of the kingdom is not just for people, but for all of creation. And so we work in that direction too. You know, plant a tree, learn about and care for the soil. Look after the animals now, because they just might be our companions later. though our hope may just be the frailest of green shoots, our hearts and our lives are shaped around it. And wherever we have power, we employ it on behalf of those in need, not just to be nice or because we want to be good people, but because the promise draws us forward. We are imagining A society that has been reordered, reshaped so that everyone has enough, so that there is justice. No more kings and politicians out for themselves. In that day, a king will bring justice for the poor of the earth, and so we get ready for it now. Jesus is drawing all things to himself, making all things new. And we are a people drawn into that promise. Doing our best to live our lives according to it. And we can add in that another unlikely image to our collection. Those people who are drawn by God's promises make up yet another surprising sign of the kingdom. The church. And are we ever an unlikely sign? Right? We get it wrong and we fight with each other and our worship gets stale and we struggle to believe. We forget about commitments we have made. And yet, we are drawn by love, working toward healing and wholeness and justice. We have not arrived by any means, <laughs> but we are those who sense the kingdom in our midst. And by the Spirit, we turn our faces toward it. The church, like the shoot from the stump of Jesse, is a faint sign of hope indeed. But can you believe that in God's hands, even this might be the beginning of restoration? Every time we choose love, every time we choose reconciliation, choose to stick it out together even when it's hard, we declare that another king is here And is coming. That the shoot will indeed grow tall. In this Advent, we look forward to the birth of Jesus at Christmas, the faint sign of hope, the shoot from the stump of Jesse, the Christ child in the manger. And we allow ourselves to be drawn again into the fullness of the promise, the good King is making all things new, even now, even here, even in you. Let us join in that good work. Please pray with me. Lord God, would you fill our minds with your vision? of the kingdom come of peace so pervasive that the whole of creation is reordered lord may we be so drawn by this vision of your kingdom that we would inhabit it now May we believe that by the goodness and grace of your love, this world will one day be whole and holy. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.